Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, kids, for coming down. Good morning, everyone. So you may have noticed that today, and uh, all of the boys are just hopping like rabbits back to the seat right now. <laughs> um, so today is Generation Sunday. We do this every fifth Sunday because uh, for those of you who haven't been to a Generation Sunday before or who are, who are visiting with us, um, you know, we have a really great kids ministry, and uh, we, we really believe in investing into the lives and spirituality of, of, of our children. Um, and so if you, if you go to the back uh, on a regular Sunday, it is, it's, it's bumping back there. There's, there's a lot going on. Um, but what we try to do is, you know, one of the main reasons why we do this every fifth Sunday is because we want to remind everyone, um, adults and kids included, that we're all still one body and that... Um, we have this thing in the vineyard where we say everyone gets to play, that everyone gets to be a part. And, and Generation Sundays reminds us that we are all one family, one body, and that uh, no one is excluded. And uh, Jesus made that a very big point in his, in his ministry, and we want to continue uh, to, to see that play out um, as we continue to do church, that, uh, the, that, that kids and children, not only are we investing, but they are a part of it, they are a part of us, and uh, they're, they're a part of the overall ministry um, uh, of the gospel, you know, in our church and, and, and throughout Baton Rouge. All right, so, so this week, um, we're just, we're in between Advent and the new series, and so I want to talk about what it looks like to, uh, of trusting in God, and, and what that looks like as we enter into uh, the next year. Um, it's, it's one of those, you know, one of, the, one of the big things, and as we look at our last Sunday of 2018, and, you know, launching in 2019, I want to tell a story that I believe will, will set us on a trajectory towards new depth with God this next year. And, 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 I, and I truly believe that as we become, as we find new depth with God, as we get closer to him, um, our, it just, it, it infects every part of our lives in the best way. And so I'm hoping that as we talk about, you know, what it looks like to trust him, um, we can begin to, um, to do that. And so Paul you're going to hear us talk a lot about. Um, Paul, is the, the apostle, is one of the heroes of the New Testament story. Um, he's one of the heroes of the faith. Um, he's the reason, as God called him and used him, of course, um, that the gospel was actually exposed to us, was exposed to the Gentiles. Paul was one of the main um, reasons of that. He, he, he brought the gospel to the non-Jews, also known as Gentiles. Um, and so I want to look at what we call nowadays his, his origin story. You know, like, you watch, like, X-Men, you know, and then they did, like, Wolverine, and then they did, like, the origin story, like, Logan, right? See, no one got that first service. Everyone here, y'all all watch X-Men, so you know what I'm talking about. Well, you know about origin stories, right? And so I want to talk about Paul's origin story and uh, kind of see, see where it all began with him and, and, and why that matters. Um, so before his name was Paul... His name was Saul, and uh, he was a well-respected Jewish leader and scholar. Uh, Paul, uh, Saul was, was incredibly smart, um, and for him, what he considered to be, and probably before Jesus, um, everyone would have considered him to be a very devout, God-fearing man. And um, he also had Roman citizenship, which is really important. Like, he was a full-blown Roman citizen, and, and this is important because that was like the ultimate citizenship because the Roman Empire ruled the world of the day, he could, he could go anywhere. 
without being harmed, without being touched. He had complete access and authority to, to go anywhere. And he had a lot of freedom to do what he wanted. And so let's pick up this story in Acts 9. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, that's, what they, that's kind of what Christians were, were calling themselves then, because they didn't call themselves Christian yet. Who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound, but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by hand into Damascus. For the three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. And so Saul spent his time investigating, imprisoning, and killing many people in the name of God. That's what he was doing. And so he was actually, when I said he went to the priest, he went to like this thing called the Sanhedrin, and he was getting permission to actually arrest all these people of the way, all these Christians. And so the Sanhedrin, they were like the governing force of Israel. Whether you were in Israel or anywhere uh, throughout the Roman Empire, you fell under the authority of the Sanhedrin. And so when Paul was getting, those, was getting that permission, he could basically do whatever he wanted. He did all that imprisoning and all that killing, all with the authority of the government. And so it was, a pretty, it was a pretty scary time. And so then there was this guy named Ananias. Now Ananias, he was a guy that was just like us. He was a disciple. He wanted to follow Christ. And he was, he was a stand-up guy. And I, and I really like Ananias. He's, he's a really inspirational guy because he, he was just a regular person just like you and me. So he knew about Saul. He knew about his reputation and knew about everything he had done. He was very aware of who Saul was. And that's where we pick up the story in, in, in verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called, him, called to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias was, was fearful. Understandably so, right? Like, like say what now? <laughs> you want me to go where? You ever have those times when you're like, you're praying and like you feel like God's saying something like, I need to hear that again. <laughs> I need some confirmation on that before I actually go out and do this. And what's funny is that God gave him like very specific instructions. He's going to be on straight street. <laughs> A guy named Saul. <laughs> it's like if God told you like, hey, I need to go to Florida Boulevard. Third house on the left, there's a dude named Jimmy. You need to go talk to him. Like, it's so specific, you know it's from God, right? And so, and yet, there's, just, there's a lot of fear there. He knew he could be arrested, maybe even killed, just for being around him, you know? 
Like, that's, that's a lot. John Wimber, the, the, the founder of the Vineyard Movement, one of the greatest kind of evangelists of our time, said that faith is spelled R-I-S-K. You know, life is full of risk. And what Anais was doing was risky. You know, but with risk in our lives, and, our, and, and, and what we see is that we try to mitigate it. We try to eliminate as much risk as possible and has, as, as, have as much control and certainty as we possibly can have in our lives. It's kind of our natural tendency. We don't want to risk. We want to know what's going to happen. It's, 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 it's easier that way. So let's finish the story in verse 17. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Risk is laced with fear. You know, some people thrive on it because they, they, they enjoy risk and kind of the, the, the adrenaline it brings. That's usually just in one area of your life. It's usually in the other area, if you know those people, that like they really don't like risk, right? You know, many of us are, are paralyzed by risk and, and, and the fear that, that comes from it. Either way, fear confronts us on a consistent basis. The question is not how do we avoid fear, it's what we do with it. Ananias took a risk. And in doing so, we actually see a heart change. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. The fact that he called him brother meant he accepted him. He said, you're one of us now. He's standing in front of the man who was killed and imprisoned his friends and says, I accept you. And he prays for him. And because Ananias took that risk, not only do we see hearts change that day, we get to see one of the heroes of the faith begin their journey and begin their ministry. So let's go back to our question. What do we do with the fear that seems to confront us? See, we're told over and over again to not fear. It's the most spoken command in Scripture, more than anything else. That should tell us something. It should tell us something that God said that more than anything else in Scripture, to not fear. But several times before God sent someone to do something, the first thing he said was, do not fear. Like, every time he says something that he's like, hey, I'm sending you out to go here, don't be afraid. (laughs) Hey, you, I'm sending you out, don't be afraid relax, it's okay, I'm sending you here, don't be afraid. Like, there's something about it where God is like, he's saying that over and over again to us, where he knows he's sending us into situations that will make us afraid, and so he's saying, don't be afraid. He told Ananias to go. What's funny is, he didn't give Ananias any other assurance. He didn't say, go, surely you won't be killed or imprisoned. There was no assurance there. There was no promise there. He just said, go. And that's really frustrating for us, isn't it? 
when we're told to just to go and to have that trust in God? And too often we're expected to like have that trust without actually learning how to develop that trust. See, God is patient and kind. He's understanding. He knows that fear is, is a real thing in our lives, which is why he says over and over again to not fear, and he gives us the resources to, to, to do that. See, whenever God tells someone to go, life always ends up better than they could have planned it. And it's better than the safety of not going that our fear would prefer, right? And so we're, we're in this situation, and we're like, we said, you know, we're like, we, we know that we're supposed to go in, in this particular direction, and God is telling us to go there. And, but the fear in us, you know, that, that, uh, that this risk is taken says, no, I, let's, let's stay here. It's safe here in this moment, like right here. I like it here. We don't want to go there. We don't know what's over there. That's a scary place. That's a scary person. We don't know what's over there, so let's stay here. But what we see in Scripture over and over again is that when we actually get out of that safe place, that it's better than we could have ever imagined. That the, 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 the fear is just that, a fear. It doesn't actually have the power to stop us. We conquer fear by learning how to trust. Just like a child is afraid when someone they trust is with them, is holding them, so it is with us. That fear goes away, right? Yeah. Robbie gets it. Kid gets afraid, runs to mom, holds that leg, right? Not going to let go. Feels safer then, right? It's the same thing with us and God. Took, Kim and I took our, our niece and nephew to, to the zoo lights this last week in L.A. It's, it's a gorgeous light show at the zoo. And we went to the lair with, like, all the snakes and all the reptiles. And, um, and so at first, my nephew got really scared and just, like, buried his head in my shoulder, <laughs> Right? because it, it was a safe place. Oh, and then he was loving it afterwards when he actually got to play with the snakes. But, but is, is it not the same with us? When, when we're in fear to not want to, like we have someone that we can run to in that safe place. And this thing, as this becomes more regular, we end up living with it in our daily lives. You know, there's, we have these huge, you know, often in the Christian life, there's like these huge moments where we experience God and like, or we're like in, in, in a really difficult time and we pray and, and it's just like we, we, we have just this sense of peace from God. But it can also be regular. It can be every day where we have this everyday sense, this, this, this everyday walking with God to where we trust him and just it becomes so natural that we look back to like five years ago and we're like, I would have never trusted him in that moment. But as we, we learn step by step, day by day, it just becomes so regular and natural that we get to do things we never thought possible. That's what it's like to walk with him, to have this, this daily trust that we grow in it and, and we live in it. And it's a path. It's a trajectory. It's not all or nothing. Like I said, God is patient and understanding. He understands how fear plays out in our lives. He's not looking for you to become a giant of faith in a day. That's not what he's looking for. It's step by step. We start small. 
So, you know, what little thing can we trust him with? And as we grow little by little, our hope grows because of our trust. And little by little, fear loses its grip as we trust more and more. You know, trust makes risk fun. It makes it exciting. It takes us on a journey that we wouldn't have gone. Otherwise, often it takes us on journeys we didn't even know were possible because we're willing to step out. So what if that happened for us in 2019? What if we could grow in our trust as we walk with God? How would that alter our lives? Like, what would it look like to say that I'm going to make a decision to, to, to trust in God right now, wherever you're at, and see, see how that goes? All right. We're going to look at one practical tip. I think the kids are falling apart. We ain't got much time. We're going to go. All right, so what I'd like you to do is read John 16.33 this week. Especially the next couple of days as you're like, as we get into the new year and we're starting to like really prepare for that. And, not, and I'm not talking about like resolution stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. But I think we all naturally start thinking about, okay, what are we looking for this year, right? What do we want for ourselves? What do we want for our families? What are we looking for? And so as we do that, it's a great time to pick one area of your life that you're willing to release and trust with God. Just one. Don't do the, 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 don't do the thing that everyone does, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do all of this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do everything. I'm going to change my whole life in one year. Like, no, don't do that. That never works. <laughs> Why? Because you don't just go from no trust to complete trust overnight, right? I mean, we can't expect to have a relationship with God that's, that's different than we have in, like, a relationship with people. So, for example, if, I'm, if I have a new friend, right, and, and I'm, 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 we're, we're entering into this relationship, I'm going to share a piece of me, right? They're not going to get everything, I'm going to share this one vulnerable part about myself, and let's see how they do with it, right? We're not like this, like methodical, <laughs> right? But that's essentially how it plays out, right? Let me share this one thing. Let me see if I can trust this person. Let me see if this person is safe. And then it plays out, and they're like, oh, okay. He's cool. She's cool. All right, let me try a little bit more. Let me just, let me trust a little bit more. Let me, let me share a little bit more. And the next thing you know, you can't do anything without that person, right? Like, think about, you know, your best friend. You know, a, a dear friend or a relative, like, someone that you're so intertwined with that you can just share anything with, that you go to on the worst day. Like, did it start that way? No. So I want you to pick one thing. And I want, the reason I want you to pick one thing and start small is because I want you to completely release it. Just to give it all away and say, God, I'm going to trust you with this. And then I want you to journal about what happens, about how that plays out. Or share it with someone. Like, just share, like, talk with someone about how this played out. Because it gives us an anchor point. Because after that plays out, 
and we, we go to the next thing that we want to try, you know, we, we, we're going to try it out with, that next thing we're going to trust God with, we remember what he did before. And we're like, okay, you know what, that actually worked out then. So maybe I can push the envelope a little bit more and, and trust him with this. Or if you, if you, if you're, or you share with a friend and they're like, hey, do you remember that, you remember you, you've been down this road before and like God did this and it worked out, so maybe you can trust him with this. All right, that's why we don't do this in isolation, in isolation. And we have to be able to like share what's going on. And the next thing you know, it's gonna, it's gonna become regular. And listen, I'm not immune from this. There are things in my life right now that I have to share, that I have to trust God with, that I have to be willing to give up. And so let's all do this together. 